agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. My guest today is Bill Kuhn, co-founder of Fight for a Better America and author of Facts and Fury, where he makes the argument that the Republican Party has done significant damage to American democracy. And I feel like he makes some interesting points, but I'm also going to take issue with some of what he says, or I guess at least how he says it, which is why I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Bill Kuhn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's good, good to be here. So I thought before we got into the book, we would actually just start with you. Uh, there's, a, there's actually a section in the book, I think you entitled it, Why Am I qualified would have you to write, write this book. I love that. So why don't you talk a little bit about your background and also kind of what led you to write Fact and Fury? Sure. Uh, happy to. So, uh, yeah, the title is Who Am I to Write Such a Book, which um, <laughs> I, 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 as an educator, I um, try to break things down very, very simply uh, for people, including titles that uh, read how we speak. So who am I to write such a book? Um, you know, I, I I never really paid all that much attention to politics um, growing up. I mean, I of course, you know, I, I read the newspaper, and you know, I, I did grow up in a political household. My my mom was a, a key fundraiser for the Democratic Party, um, and my stepfather worked in in the White House. But you know, I didn't start paying attention to politics until around 2015, uh, when Donald Trump became the nominee for president, and. I well, he didn't become the nominee just yet. He was he was you know on, on the podium making his uh, you know grand pronouncements about certain things. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's when I started. I was like, whoa, you know, this guy's had a chance to win. What what's going on with our political system? How is this guy um, able to uh, you know capture people's attention and minds when I just found him to be sort of uh, you know an ant ant antithetical to the to to what America is? Um, and as I started you know researching, I, I became Deeply, I, I have sort of, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD. I know everyone, oh, you know, people are diagnosed with ADHD, who cares? But I was diagnosed, and, and so I get intensely focused on things um, when, when, thing, you know, when, when stuff matters. And so I got so intensely focused on researching how Donald Trump came to be. Um, and what I found was, is that uh, since uh, a certain time period, you know, let's call it 1980, around there, uh, the Republican Party has set out on a course to um, uh, kind of destroy government from the inside. And I, and I don't, you know, I, I know that's sort of a, a loaded term, or a loaded expression, phrase, what, what have you. Um, and so I just became intensely interested in how they were able to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and I just consumed so much research and academic literature um, and obviously uh, newspapers and, and, and talk shows, um, including a lot on, on the right as well. And I just I, I felt like I needed to say something. I needed to put my I need to get the word out about what I found uh, because it's not readily available. And I feel like a lot of the literature and academic research uh, gets uh, you know, is on shelves and doesn't and is sort of collecting dust and nobody picks it up. And so I wanted to break it down into sort of bite-sized digestible chunks, these chapters uh, that, you know, people sort of newbies can understand, political newcomers, uh, people who, you know, may have an interest in uh, government, you know, why our political system is so dysfunctional, um, but, you know, haven't really found the good reference book for that. And so that, that was the genesis of the book. Um, and, and who am I? I mean, I'm just a concerned citizen. Um, I have a background in teaching. I have a background in business. Um, and so I, I, I sort of combine that to write on stuff, you know, that's easily digestible, plus has a, you know, ha has a, uh, um, uh, ha has a, a, a way, ways of explaining stuff uh, that have utilized my business background. I wanted to ask you specifically about your your ways of explaining because that definitely is I, by design, and I think 
know, throughout the book, uh, you use what I, I think it's fair to call uh, inflammatory uh, wording and rhetoric, <laughs> yes. right? I mean, when you call it, when you're saying, you know, a party is waging a war, destroying democracy, uh, right. uh, you know, racism, fascism, these words come up. And, and, sure. and even, I mean, and, and you own this in the introduction, you say, sometimes I curse because I can't help myself. And, <laughs> and, right. and, you know, that's very much. Uh, different than, say, academic writing in my world, right, where you, where you sort of strive for being even-handed and boring, I guess you could say. But I, I thought it'd be it, it's important maybe to talk about why you made a conscious choice to engage and to communicate in this specific way. Right, uh, and it's a great question. And you know, some I have to say that when I when I re reread some of the passages in the book and how I curse and and sort of be inflammatory, you know, I cringe a little bit. I, I have to tell you, um, <laughs> I wanted to get, I wanted to because you know, I I I don't you know, I, I don't mean to come across as as so uh, you know as so inflammatory, but I wanted to get people's attention. And I thought that the best way to do that is to be a little over the top and inflammatory. And, you know, I, I just look at the outrage books produced on the right from Mark Levin to Rush Limbaugh to Ben Shapiro to, um, you know, even Jonah Goldberg, who, who titles his, you know, who's supposed to be, you know, an intellectual conservative. Um, and he titles his book, oh gosh. Liberal fascism. There was, uh, liberal, yeah. liberal fascism. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. And so I thought, okay. These books sell like hotcakes. I need to, uh, I need, I need to 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 to, uh, uh, to r ratchet up the the level of of outrage uh, in my book um, because that's what we need at this point in time. And so, you know, whereas I am not sort of that type of person in person, <laughs> uh, I, I feel as though my my work gets across uh, better when there's a little bit more passion and enthusiasm. And, you know, and I could see some people on the right saying, listen, here's a guy, he's spent his life in sort of a progressive monoculture, and I, I, we don't believe that, you know, we, we feel like he's going to be biased, and he's not really engaging with the arguments, the beliefs of the right in, in good faith. And, and, and I think that's, you know, it's an important point to bring up. And so I'm really curious as to how you respond to people on the right who might, you know, have that kind of reaction to what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question. I really, I, I, I really like these questions because, um, you know, ultimately I'm trying to achieve, uh, ultimately what I want to see in society is us getting along. Um, and, and I do believe Republicans, and Democrats, uh, uh, from, from a, from a, a voter perspective, agree on a lot of stuff and and get along quite well it's just that i think the people at the top are corrupting the uh are polluting the waters so in terms of you know conservatism you know i i do believe in the rule of law i believe in peace through strength i believe we need to show you know our muscle uh in order to to avoid uh conflict i believe in fiscal responsibility and free markets and those sorts of things you know so i'm i am I, I do believe in the tenets of, of conservatism. It's just that uh, the the way that it's played out in our politics um, is not, in my opinion, is does not hold to those values. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I I'm willing to engage a, a conservative on on any sort of piece of legislation uh, that is brought forth. And, and I think that, you know, I, I have, and I, and I believe that, you know, we, we would agree more, we would agree on more than, than what we would disagree on. Um, so, you know, when it comes to money in politics, when it comes to drug prices, or when it comes to the environment, or when it comes to abortion, or when it comes to, you know, I, I and, you know, even guns, I do believe that, um, you know, I, 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 we, we would agree on more than, uh, than, than what would it seem what it, what it appears to be. And, and so when you're talking about, I mean, when you talk about Republicans in the book, it sounds like you're actually making, or we should make a distinction between say uh, Republican office holders, Republican activists, and the, you know, over 74 million people who came out and voted for Donald Trump. You're not necessarily, you're not lumping them all together then. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. So there's so many reasons why people vote Republican and Democrat. And frankly, um, the top 
uh, the top bunch are not based on policy, sadly. Uh, people vote based on, on tribe, on team, on what they feel attachment to culturally. And so the, the policy argument gets washed out in these, you know, to me, it's, uh, you know, not very productive arguments. So like, you know, I will agree uh, with a Trump voter on a lot of stuff, but because, um, you know, because we have two part two party system and because we are in this tribal factions and that every day, you know, I live in Manhattan and I'm surrounded by a much more diverse, you know, multicultural society. I, I believe one thing. And I, you know, somebody who lives in, uh, you know, not not such a diverse place where, um, you know, you know, Fox News may be playing all the time. And, and when you go to church, you know, everyone is 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 praying for Republican candidates to win. And so I get that, you know, there is, you know, these tribal factions that prevent us from sort of getting along on a national stage. But I do want to draw the distinction between uh, Republicans leadership and the Republicans who are the voters, because Again, I agree with a lot of, you know, with the voters on a lot of stuff, but I believe it's the fear mongering and the uh, rhetoric and, and, and just the, the arguments that are put forth by the top. And Democrats engage in this, too. I like, don't get me wrong. You know, during Trump, there's plenty of fear mongering and, and, and whatnot. Um, but but uh, I, I just I'm drawing I'm drawing a distinction because it's necessary to draw the distinction mm. between elected officials and rank and file. And one of the, I think, fundamental arguments or things you focus on in the book before you get into specific policy areas is uh, what you see as the Republican Party, or at least the leadership of the Republican Party and, and the activist base, their you know, basic attitude toward government itself. And so how do you how do you perceive that? And and how do you uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you saw that as developing over time in the party? Mm. Yeah. So. Uh, Republicans um, and conservatives used to believe in a in a strong uh, government um, for the people. Right. I use uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, Dwight Eisenhower as examples of this. They uh, they they believe that the government should work for, for the disadvantaged and for people who can't help themselves um, since. Uh, Sort, you know, I, I I do believe that you can trace a lot of the movement conservatism we see today back to the Civil Rights Act and, and Barry Goldwater, where Republicans started to become this different party where, you know, it was no longer about uh, government, you know, helping people. It was more about how how am I going to get rid of government? How am I going to, um, you know, how am I going to make it so unappealing in the people's eyes, in the voters' eyes, that uh, they will vote, that, you know, they will believe that government is the problem. And, you know, frankly, Ronald Reagan said it himself. He said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't get more clear than that. Uh, you I, I have to imagine that when Eisenhower or you know Rockefeller or, uh, or or George Romney heard those words, he would cringe. They would cringe. Um, I, I, I don't know if he was you know if they were alive in 1980. I'm pretty sure they were. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it just it signals to me that there is a shift and now, now no longer government is helping people. Government is the enemy. And here's where. You know, they started to try to break it down from the inside and they've done a, a pretty good job at it, because as you can see, uh, government is is quite dysfunctional. Well, I should say government, uh, the way it's portrayed uh, to people is dysfunctional. I think they do get a lot done that's not publicized. I think a lot of folks on the right would say, well, you know, this uh, antipathy toward big government is 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 logical and reasonable because big impersonal government and certainly government has grown considerably over time. That you know, back in the day of Abraham Lincoln or, or T.R., uh, that government was much small, at least the central government. But now it's gotten so big 
that it's a real threat to individual liberty. And so therefore, this is just a we've changed because the, the expanding scope of government uh, had you know, driven by progressives has forced us to change. And, I, and I'm wondering what you because th- I'm, I'm sure you've encountered that argument. So what do you think about that argument? Right. Yeah. And 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 I, I do believe that there are clear disadvantages to centralized government. You know, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's, um, you know, this remote characteristic that that's sort of impersonal. Um, there's delays in, in, in work um, happening. It's, it's generally slow moving, um, you know, federal government imposing certain uh, a certain, you know, their will on states when when the states are you know should should have uh, you know sh- should be able to dictate their own future. Yes, and there uh, you know I I I I I think there's a, there's a clear argument there to make. Um, I, I just think that um, you know the federal government was formed or or, or progressives instituted reforms for a reason, right? To make our food healthier, to prevent crashes on Wall Street, uh, or to, to prevent the banking system from going under, um, to uh, uh, help improve our air quality, you know, uh, to, you know, uh, to, to institute, you know, c- certain labor laws uh, that are that are universal throughout throughout the states that I think, you know, are, are you know, sh- should be there. And so there's a reason why we have, uh, you know, these these reforms in place because before that it was you know it disadvantaged uh, a lot of uh, uh, people um, who could not fight for themselves you know but but I you know I I do believe in 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 state self governance um, and I wonder you know if if conservatives are so you know gung ho about this limited government and and sort of local control I wonder what they would say to well, if you if you truly believe in local control, then why not have the government closest to the people, the local you know, municipal government? Why are they not the most powerful as opposed to the state? Right. I mean, the you know, conservatives at, at the state government level will impose very rigid restrictions on what municipalities can do. And municipalities, just like the United States, is an you know amalgamation of, of different you know of, of, of different cultures and, and 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 backgrounds. So are states. I mean, you have people living in one state that are radically you know that are totally different from from each other based on ethnicity, background, and so why can't they you know be the ultimate determine you know determiner of um, you know their 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 fate and, and future. You know, I, I just wonder how much of this limited government argument is just based on the fact that, um, you know, it's just politically inconvenient uh, for for conservatives. And you know, when we talk about the Re- Republican Party's the dislike of big government, you can contrast that, and you do in the book with their view about big business and in the section of the book, mm. you look at the Republican party's general relationship with private enterprise, you uh, term it an unhealthy obsession. And maybe you can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what you, uh, how you see it as being unhealthy and obsessive. Right. Right. So, <laughs> um, so we have the most privatized government in or privatized society in the world. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'm pretty sure I measured that reliably in the book, um, based on the number of state-owned assets, right? We have a, a very, we have a negligible amount of, of enterprises owned by the state in America, right? Whereas in Europe, you have airlines, you have oil companies, you have, um, you know, all hospitals, right? the healthcare system, right? All of these, you know, and, and then obviously China, which is totally, basically totally, uh, you know, sort of state-sponsored. Uh, we are, you know, leading the way in privatization. And yet, they, you know, conservatives in government want to push that even further. You know, they want to um, privatize more and more schools, more and more healthcare uh, systems, the Social Security, right? I mean, the, the, the very, uh, uh, mat- the very um, payments to individuals to secure their future uh, they want to make it, you know, a, a market-based system, and and on the surface, that doesn't sound 
all that all that bad. But um, uh, studies have been shown that if the, you know we were to privatize Social Security, we were to you know completely privatize healthcare and completely privatize schools, you know the the top the top of society would benefit, and maybe you know the upper middle class. The rest would suffer a great deal. Um, what happens with privatization is it's called a creaming of the clientele. I, I, I use that term in the mm-hmm. book, um, where if you are a business, you are incentivized to make products for the highest bidder. Um, and you're incentivized to put your resources behind stuff that is expensive um, and has high margins. You are not incentivized to help create a product to help poor people because they can, they don't have money or lower middle class um, or, you know, helping students who are poor with disabilities. Like you, it, there's the, mar- the market-based system just doesn't work for certain things, right? And so um, that's why I believe that the idea that you can just privatize everything and let the market uh, decide really does damage to a lot of people that, that, don't have the you know advantages of starting out, let's say. And and I, I think in at least in part of the book, you you make the argument that if these if these facts were presented to folks kind of stripped of the ideological associations that in fact a majority, a strong majority of Americans of both parties would actually agree with this, but yet for a number of reasons that doesn't happen. And one of them that you look into in one of the sections in the book is uh, electoral advantages, you argue, that Republicans have. And and some of them are, I think, just baked into the structure of our system, you know, the, the Senate, the Electoral College and so forth. And and I'm wondering when you look at those sort of structural advantages, are those things where you, you say, well, we should change that sort of thing? Because there are plenty of people that say, you know, it's worked pretty well for a uh, hundred plus in the Senate direct election or a couple hundred years. We don't, we don't need to mess with, we don't need to mess with these traditions that have stood us you know, in good stead for, for so long. What, what do you think about, you know, changing things like that that seem to give at least now uh, a structural advantage to Republicans? Right. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think that founders um, envisioned that senators representing 10% of the population of the United States could block every single piece of major legislation in Congress supported by the other 90%. Uh, I mean, literally 10 million, you know, uh, senators representing 33 million people can block legislation representing 300 million people. I, 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 do, I have to imagine that they would be appalled by that because it, it is not only going against the will of the majority, it's going against almost the entire country. Um, you know, uh, Wyoming, North, North and South Dakota, Alaska, and the other 16 smaller states can block any meaningful legislation. Now, in reality, you know, Rhode Island, Delaware, there, you know, some, some are split, but, you know, it still plays out in very undemocratic ways. Look, California has a population of 40 million people. With, with 16 million uh, minorities versus Wyoming with a population of 578,000 and, and 64,000 minorities. And so, you know, and why, why, I, why, why I have the minorities? Because the, 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 the Senate overrepresents white people in this country. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, you, you know, if, if we want a more fair and, and equal society, you know, there has to be more. There has to be better representation for for everybody, um, and and so uh, in terms of you know the Senate, I think is w- one of the most undemocratic uh, bodies, uh, government bodies in the in the world. Maybe you know may, maybe the most. I, I can't think of another country that 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 has um, such a you know such a system as well as uh, the Electoral College, which which favors you know states. Uh, that have, you know, that have smaller populations. So, you know, um, I just think a lot of good progress in legislation is prevented and watered down significantly 
by this undemocratic system, uh, at first it made sense when you know the population of Virginia was 750,000 and the population of Delaware was 60,000. But it just it's gotten so uh, disproportionate. It, it just it, it it does not make sense. Um, and and it leaves and it leaves and it leaves open the um, you know the 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 more more of a chance for corruption because you can buy the smaller state senators easier if you're a corporation and just have them block votes. That kind of plays in that uh, listeners will know one of my sort of uh, uh, soapboxes or hobby horses is that the <laughs> framers, uh, while they may have put into place a lot of things that made a lot of sense for the for the 18th century uh, times change and uh, the Constitution is not the Ten Commandments or anything like that. And so <laughs> we might want right. to. But, but, but anyway, so, you know, there there are right. also there, there are also uh, electoral concerns that aren't really baked into the constitutional structure, but they are things that we hear a lot, especially on the left being raised. Gerrymandering uh, comes up a lot, and you mention it in the book. And I know there are people who say, well, hey, the problem isn't gerrymandering. People on the left, progressives are just upset because Republicans were smart enough to, you know, to to build up their ground game and control the state legislatures. Both parties do it. It's just Republicans are a lot more strategically savvy. And so there's nothing wrong with gerrymandering. They're just Democrats are just being sore losers because they didn't do the work. And I wonder what you think about that. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you're you're not going to I'm not going to disagree with you that uh, Republicans are smarter than Democrats. Uh, from, from a from a from a from a, a political standpoint, they have been working on this strategy for fifty years um, to uh, sort of um, gain these electoral electoral advantages, and and Democrats haven't done anything to to stop them. I mean, Obama in two thousand eight won. He thought he ushered in you know a new uh, revolution, and that people would would vote Democrat. Uh, from you know here on out. Well, in 2010, he got a rude awakening, and that's when um, Republicans, you know, got uh, began their their famous uh, red map uh, mm-hmm. uh, effort to um, w- you know they they won a thousand seats or some some ridiculous number in state government, and yeah. they basically flipped flipped the number of state control houses from Republican Democrat by uh, by tw- by by 20, I think. I think, you know, anyway. So they planned this, it was well executed, and now we're living, you know, in their reality with, with, with the, you know, these extreme gerrymandering uh, maps. And now that, you know, sort of, that now that there's a conservative Supreme Court, they're not doing anything about, uh, you know, they're, they're leaving it up to the, to the states to draw these maps. Um, and in some cases, I, I think that they're even trying to preclude judges from weighing in, state judges from weighing in on maps, too. So uh, I, I get the argument that both sides do it. Um, but there is an effort, and, and, and I, and I want to get rid of gerrymandering altogether. There is the only hope we have for that is um, are, are the Democrats who put forth a bill to end gerrymandering completely. So while the Democrats need to do it to compete in this sort of reality that we live in, um, because if they if they didn't, you know, it would be a complete uh, slaughter fest, uh, you know, every two years. Um, but if you want to end it, if you want to end gerrymandering completely. Um, the Democrats have put forth a bill to do to do so, and so I challenge you know Republicans to get on board with that as well. You know, uh, one other thing you talk about that I think is really I want to bring up is has to do with, well, facts, I guess, and sort of how how perhaps the uh, the adherence to facts, I guess, may may differ between uh, Republican activists and Democrats. Uh, there, it reminded me of, of a saying from one of my political heroes. Uh, uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan was a senator for many years in, in your state mm-hmm. of New York. He he said everyone's entitled to his own opinion, but not his own facts. Mm-hmm. But you know, that, yeah. that doesn't really necessarily that may have been true in 1983 when he said it, but maybe not so <laughs> much today. Right. And now, I, on right. one hand, I think. You can say, well, everyone kind of 
spins and plays fast and loose with the facts. But I think you make an argument that this is sort of asymmetrical, right? That that mm-hmm. actually this is more of an issue, this questioning of facts, of, of uh, uh, elite, of expert opinion is more of a problem on the right. Would, would that be would that be fair to say? Yeah, so look, I I realize that both sides can be untethered from, from reality and the facts. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I've heard some arguments on the left and I read left Twitter and I'm just like, what in what universe is this true? Um, and it makes me sad you know, to see it from both sides. The I mean, just to give you an example, right? Um, Live Science, which is a website that I that I like that I read. I, and and I, I believe they're trustworthy and, 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 and fact based. They, they did a fact check of the Republican Party platform in 2016. Um, and and. When it came to just basic stuff like abortion um, and 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 climate and I can't remember off, off the top of my head, but they they go down the list mm-hmm. of the points in the plot, the key the key planks, and it's just like one falsehood after the next, just to further you know their 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 view of of something, and um and 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 it got worse you know with this whole. Trump uh, election fraud uh, thing in 2020. What I what I believe you know is 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 happening is that they've they've they're winning they're winning voters' minds based on uh, a culture war, um, and and they're appealing more to emotion than to uh, fact and 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 science and. You know whether that's you know making Fauci look like the devil, or um, whether that's you know uh, um, uh, you know skewering skewering um, you know uh, scientists and experts and all this. You know they're they're creating they're creating this atmosphere of ignore the experts. They are wrong. They've always been wrong. They're killing you. They're you know making your life miserable, you know what's best for you and your family. And and of course there's a there's an argument to make there about that you, you need to you know balance, but they're uh, they're tapping into this distrust of academics and sort of the the community that is to me closer to you know facts, closer to the cutting edge of, of research than um, you know, th- than otherwise. And you know, it, sh- it shows up in uh, Republicans view of colleges and schools. You know, I mean, it, of course, they say it's, you know, it's, it, you know, you're, it's breeding grounds for, you know, socialism and, and <laughs> yeah. breeding grounds to ter- turn your turn your child into, you know, a, 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 a pansy liberal. Um, but but, you know, I, I do believe that there's something deeper going on here, and it's and it's a it's a, it's a distrust of the of the of the expert you know academic community, which which necessarily breeds uh, a whole other industry, you know, whole other industry of people who are untethered from the facts. You know, if this expert says this, if this trained uh, uh, epidemiologist says this, well, he must be wrong, and I'm going to create my own set of stuff based on what I read on Google. You know, I mean, it, it's it, it that that sort of thing. And, and you actually go through a whole bunch of issue areas in, in one section of the book of, about how you feel that the Republican Party has taken what I, I think it'd be fair to say you feel to be a, actually unpopular policy positions and turned them around and made them more popular, but through manufacturing outrage, manufacturing division. And again, you cover a lot of issues, but you, you brought up abortion. And I think given the current, you know, post row landscape, this is maybe a particularly uh, a salient one. So I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about how you see sort of the Republican messaging uh, on abortion and where you think it's just sort of problematic and, and, and wrongheaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do believe, again, it comes back to the, the fact that that we, meaning Republicans, Democrats, agree on a lot more issues than, um, you know, th- than, than you may think otherwise. Um, abortion, you know, I mean, just just as an example, uh, Kansas, you know, a very red Trump state 
voted, you know, nearly two to one to not allow a, an amendment on, the, on Kansas, in Kansas's constitution to, uh, you know, to, to, to outlaw abortion. Right. And so it just that they've and and frankly, um, they've gone too far with this. And I think it's going to hurt them in, in the midterm. If if they were to stick to uh, something more reasonable um, and, you know, personally, I, I believe that a woman should decide what is right for her up until, you know, up until, uh, um uh, you know, into the third trimester personally. But I but I do understand the argument that, you know, that is uh, very late. And by the way, mo- most most abortions, 90 percent of them happen in the first trimester. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, and, and in the small cases, in, in the few cases that happen you know, afterwards, it's, it's, it's usually because of something that went horribly wrong or. You know, it's not because somebody, oh, I decided to wake up one day and, you know, right. I'm not going to, I don't want to have this kid anymore. I mean, there, there's usually something that, that, that is, that is, that, that went wrong. So, um, they, they've, they've won the battle on this messaging. They, they've, you know, baby killers, pro life, you know, really they're just, in my view, they're pro birth. And then after that, you're on your own. Um, and, and so I, um, I think they're better at messaging the Democrats. And but they've gone too far with this with this um, with these abortion bans in with these really strict abortion bans. And I think that it's going to hurt them. Um, and and I, I hope it does, because, you know, that that just furthers my political views. And now now the other big social issue I feel like we'd be remiss in not talking about, because I think it'd be a, it's a great example of what what you talk about in the book is is guns. It seems like no matter mm-hmm. no matter what happens in society Gun sales and ammunition sales keep on going <laughs> up, right? Nothing, nothing stops that. So, can you talk a little bit about how you feel that that conservative, that Republican messaging on this sort of spurs this and makes makes the United States a more a, a more violent, gun obsessed country than than it already is? Mm. Even, <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's it's like one of these issues that feels like you're never we're never going to make progress on. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, most gun owners and most people, um, agree that we should have, uh, you know, to believe in sensible gun safety, right? So that, that includes a, um, you know, uh, uh universal background checks and enforcement of, you know, you know, the problem is there's a lot of gun, from my understanding, I, I don't know a lot, admittedly, um, there's a lot of laws on the books that are not enforced. And so if there's a way to uh, incentivize and penalize, uh, you know, lo- lo- localities or, or, or states that don't enforce laws, then I think that, that that's, you know, that, that's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I think that there should be the same uh, sort of tests when you drive a car uh, for owning a gun. I think that, you, you know, 18 year olds should not be able to walk into a store and buy AR-15s uh, without, you know, it, and as many as they want. Um, I, I, you know, gun ownership needs to be responsible because it, it is, you know, it's a re- it's a recreational tool, but it's also, we- you know, a weapon that kills people clearly. And we have an epidemic of gun violence in this country. Um, mental health is is an issue. We can support both. You know, conservatives harp on mental health. Like, good. Let's do both. Let's let's you know let let's let's um, make it so it's harder to get. Uh, a weapon in this country, um, and that people, you know, go for uh, mental health, uh, you know, for, you know, uh, support when 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 they need it. Um, and you know, I there are people on the left that make the arguments of take the guns, and I do think that's uh, over, you know, that that's overplaying their hand. Like we, of course, we're not going to take guns. Like you know, taking AR-15s is actually supported by a majority of this country. There's, there's a, you know, a 60, well, last time I checked, 60, 65% support uh, banning AR-15s. So, you know, taking guns is, you know, taking all the guns? No, there's, there's little support for that, um, even on, on the left. Um, and that's, that's an argument that the right likes to sort of take and, and, and shine a light on. But uh, AR-15s is a different story. 
So I, I do believe in sensible, sensible gun ownership, but I do. But, but the NRA and Republican electeds hijack the argument um, that, you know, they want to take your guns. So, so then you don't, uh, in other words, you don't really buy into the sort of slippery slope argument that, well, that, that, that the fact of the matter is the slope wouldn't be that slippery because at a certain point, public sentiment against, say, mandatory gun buybacks or things like things like that, which it just wouldn't be there, basically. Um, j- j- sorry, just wouldn't be. Just it's just the idea that that sure, while there might be support for certain gun regulations, but after a certain point, then the, the public just wouldn't go along. And so this idea that even though there are some of some progressives who would like to see all the guns taken, that's just simply not going to happen because the political support right. in the general public doesn't exist. Correct. Okay. And um, right. And, and I and I and I, not even on the left to right. take all the guns. Uh, you know, another thing I think we should we should talk about much more recent development than the abortion and gun issues is the debate around cancel culture. And you talk about that in your section on uh, Republican buzzwords, misdirection, euphemisms. And so I wanted to get uh, give listeners a sense of. How you see this cancel culture debate and also maybe more specifically, how you see people on the right using it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't, there is a problem of cancel culture um, and 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 it and it takes place um, outside of to me, outside of the government. Um, it takes place in Hollywood. It takes place in corporate America. And I, and I and I do think there's an issue, and I think you know it's just it's evident in the fact that a majority of people are afraid to speak their mind. Um, now, uh, I think that's also a good thing to to have you know to to have a filter, um, and and so you know I don't want to I don't yeah. I don't want to say that, that it's completely you know bad, but you know I, I think that um, there, there's a chill. In, in society that uh, people are afraid to um, say something and, and they'll get in trouble. And, and the rules seem to keep changing. And so, um, you know, what, what is appropriate one day is not appropriate another day. And then if you say something that you're not aware of and you get skewered for it on Twitter, and if you, you know, people will have tweets dug up from 10 years ago that, um, you know, come back to bite them now, you know that we're rude and 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 you know sort of, uh, you know disgusting then, but but somebody should not necessarily be canceled. Now it depends on the case by case basis, uh, but you know I I, I think that um, that there is this this especially in social media and in Twitter there is this this this, uh, this this proclivity of people to call others out. And to uh, cancel them for stuff that is, you know, really shouldn't be, you know, sh- should be minor, right? Um, and, and shouldn't, you know, p- people shouldn't lose their livelihood over, uh, frankly, you know, and 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 the idea that you, that somebody apologizes and you don't accept their apology, I mean, again, it depends on a case by case basis, is absurd. People need the, the forgiveness is is uh, is is six core to our to our values, um, and and giving people a second chance. Now, that said, the idea that it doesn't happen on the right is crazy. I mean, uh, you know, just look at, um, you know, j- just look at the, uh, the, the stuff Donald Trump does, right? I mean, anything he doesn't like, he tries to get canceled. Um, he, uh, you know, he, uh, he tried to cancel, um, uh, he tried to cancel um, the AB- NBC networks. Uh, tried to cancel their license because of the news reporting on them. He tried to cancel CNN, as we know, on a number of times. Um, look at their license. He, he tweeted to the FCC. Um, same thing for MSNBC. Um, you know, when and it's not just and it's not just um, Donald Trump. It's it's, you know, Republicans broadly like uh, um, the Republican National Committee, you know, Boycotts MSNBC and even the and even National Review. Um, Ted Cruz tried to cancel Nike for honoring Ka- Colin Kaepernick. Um, Fox News fans tried to cancel Keurig for supporting you know social justice initiatives. It just it goes 
goes on and on. So we're both guilty of it. It's just that um, it just it feels like it's a bigger concern amongst the secular left mm-hmm. uh, and and Hollywood and and corporate America. Yeah. So well, let's talk a little. I mean, the book focuses clearly on Republicans, but I wanted to ask you about Democrats because, of course, they're we're you know half of the country, a little more than half of the country, right? Um, did you feel like when you look at the Democratic Party, Democratic voters, leadership, what have you, that there are things that in response to this that they're not doing, they should be doing, or they're doing too much of that, that sort of thing? I mean, what do you think about the Democratic response to what you see as Republican leadership, Republican activists kind of push toward a, a much less Democratic politics? Yeah. I mean, the first thing they need to do is they need to uh, uh, pu- uh, uh, publicize and talk about all the good that government has done. I mean, my next book, uh, wa- my next book, if, if you know, when, when, whenever I get down to sure. write it, is going to be on is going to be on all the good that government has done. Like, like people do not understand that government is responsible for so many uh, awesome things, you know, the internet, shale gas, life-saving biotech compounds, um, you know, uh, glo- uh, GPS, right? Siri, protect, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, ha- ha- allevi- alleviating poverty, educating uh, the masses, you know, th- th- these 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 sorts of things, um, and and they do a pretty good job at it. In fact, in fact, um, if you ask people. If you ask people, the majority majority of people will say they don't like government. They don't like this word government. They don't like the idea of government. They don't like you know um, government itself. But if you ask people about particular programs right. in the government, they will give them high. They will give them high marks. And so that to me is a PR problem. Um, and Democrats, which are basically you know on on, on the side of of you know, sort of big, big, not big government, but but uh, um, you know using government for good. Is uh, they, they should champion this. They should uh, be able to talk about government in positive ways and show that it's helped so many people over the course of uh, over the course of you know the, the, the last uh, 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 several years. And uh, looking to the Republican side, I mean, it sure does seem that at least a, a big segment of the party has been captured by, if not Trump. Personally, certainly Trumpism, you look at figures like DeSantis and others and so forth. And so it seems to me that your ideal, if you will, the Republican Party was maybe kind of the Eisenhower-ish sort of Republicans. And you get into Goldwater and that kind of shift to the right. I mean, do you do you see any sort of a viable path, I guess, for those sort of more uh, traditional Republicans, if you will, uh, Republicans who believe in, in those sort of things to regain more prominence, more power within within the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly hope so, because we need a we need a viable um, and 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 reality based Republican Party um, that uh, wants to use government for good. Um, and 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 doesn't you know does not get caught up in these in these silly wars over uh, you know Trump's election fraud and 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 you know and and uh, you know again going back to the the euphemisms and the, and the buzzwords sure. and and the manufactured outrage you know we need uh, we we need a viable uh, we we need a we need a Republican Party that uh, sort of returns to its roots if you will um, and so. I believe that um, there there can be a, a return uh, to this, and I, and I do think that Donald Trump needs to go away. And I do think that, um, but he's not going to go away quietly. That's for sure. Um, I do think I do think that uh, you know the voters, you know, when when we're, we're, I, I think that abortion. I think I think I hope. That in the midterms, Republicans electives will realize how far they've gone on this issue of abortion, how it's hurt them, and that they need to moderate, you know, their 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 stances, um, and, and and that this issue of election fraud has has hurt them as well. So, um, I, the short, I haven't 
you know, haven't, I haven't done a lot of thinking about it, but, but I do, I, I, I do believe that it is possible and that, that, uh, that, that we can achieve it in the next. And, and frankly, Democrats need to change as well. Like we can't have corporate, uh, you know, cor- corporate Democrats, um, leading the charge, you know, who are, you know, way past, you know, way past their prime and sort of out of touch with the, the, the working class. Um, you know, Democrats betrayed unions and the working class a long time ago. And, and, and that is, that is still a very, um, uh, sore issue and, and why a lot of, you know, states in the Midwest have sort of shifted to Republicans because Democrats just, you know, Clinton, and then, uh, but most of Clinton just sort of, you know, left them in the dust, um, literally. And so, uh, you know, we, we need to, we need to, we need to start getting, then Democrats need to start getting back to our roots too. So it, it sounds like if I were to make the case for optimism, as I hear you saying it, it's that, that both sides are uh, are over are going to eventually overplay their hands and you see that specifically maybe on on the abortion issue with republicans in the short terms but that this culture of outrage that's being generated is going to essentially burn itself out and the, the sort of sensible center the, will will kind of reassert itself is that is that kind of the optimistic case that that you kind of you sort of see yeah um I, I do see uh, optimism. I, I, I am optimistic, but I think human. I, I believe in 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 people. I believe in you know. I believe in the better angels of our nature. I believe that people will come together and do what's right and do and get along for the sake of uh, you know our our country uh, and and for our livelihoods. And you know, I, I I guess you know, call me an optimist. In that way, I have a healthy um, chunk of of cynicism and pessimism that I also carry around with me. But, um, you know, I, I, I do believe in, in we, we are going through a very rough patch and that we will overcome this and there won't be, you know, civil wars like people predicting or, 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 uh, you know, um, some sort of, you know, authoritarian regime or, or what have you. Uh, so I, and I, and I believe in the spirit of the American people. Um, that that you know people we, we we've had rough periods throughout the course of history. I mean, I mean, the Civil War and you know the the 1820s and um, you know 1930s and and we've we've our, the spirit of the American people is strong and I think we will overcome uh, whatever hardships and and uh, and disagreements are in our path. Well, I, I, I certainly hope you're right about that. I think that is a great optimistic note on which to close. So, uh, Bill Kuhn, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Of course, Mike. It's been a pleasure and uh, happy to come back whenever you want me. We hope you enjoyed this Politics Guys interview. And if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you could mention us on social media or however else you share things you like. It would also be great if you could rate and review us on your podcast app. If you've got a question, comment, correction, gripe, manifesto, whatever, you want to share it with us, you can reach us a bunch of ways. Mail at politicsguys.com, as well as there's our supporters-exclusive Discord channel, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can find out more about that at patreon.com slash politicsguys or politicsguys.com slash support. And links to all that are always in our show notes. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andra Masker, Daniel Toe, and Ryan Beasley. We'll be back with a new episode this coming weekend. We hope you'll join us.